Okay, well, if you have your Bibles and want to turn there, we continue in Judges today. You might think again, Judges, why don't we stop and do something more topical? But I'm telling you, the Word of God is amazing, and it has messages for us that are so helpful for you and me today. Ah, These are interesting times. I'm so grateful for our medical personnel, for the people on the front lines, people who are helping take care of the sick, and neighbors who are helping each other, and all the incredible things that are going on right now to help our community get through this pandemic, and and even the things that, that we don't see. But I'll tell you what starts to creep in and what starts to fray. It's not so much that we um, forget to love one another. It's that we're not meeting and gathering around the gospel very much. And so the fraying becomes, what about me? Am I, am I doing enough? You know, I hear over and over different calls for different needs and I think, well, I could do that or I could do that or I could do that. And really, I, I don't, I don't have time or I'm taking care of my kids and, 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 and am I doing enough? Am I being useful for the Lord and what He wants to do? And then what can creep in too is this, this almost like, am I getting recognition? I mean, I'm trying to hold everything together. I'm doing so much to try and keep my family together or, or, or to keep my kids from pulling their hair out or, or me from pulling my own hair out or the things that I do. Is it really enough? And am I getting recognition because I'm trying really hard? So, so this idea of discouragement or frustration or being judgy, come on, come on, do something useful. And, and am I doing that? Hey, we are bombarded with that right now, especially with what the world thinks it means to be a Christian. So I'd like you to pause for a moment with me this morning and consider this text. It's an incredible text. It helps us understand usefulness because Because what you will hear today is about coming back to your Father and trusting Him. Do you? Can we? Oh, is this where we should be together? So so this today is so this happened to this person with this result. That's the story of Judges 13. Something happens to a person with a result. And I I want you to hear the story first, and then I want us to talk about it. Because you may not have considered the message that it has for you and me. So if you have your Bibles and want to follow along, we're in Judges chapter 13. We're going to tell the whole story of it, walking through it together as a church family. And then we'll talk just a few minutes about some specifics you might overlook. Okay. First, so this happened. This happened. This is the Bible. It's meant for you to understand. And these stories are here aren't made up stories. They're real. And yet they're specific to teach us. So enter in with me, Judges chapter 13. Here we go. Verse 1. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So Yahweh gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah, of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. I'll tell you what, even as we start, we know something good's going to happen because the Lord loves the barren, doesn't he? 
Verse 3, And the angel of Yahweh appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and you have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb and shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Okay, we kind of read this like, okay, story's happening, but it's incredible. An angel of God appears. This, wow, amazing, and appears to this woman. Pre-incarnate Christ, we think. He's appeared to the very best. And it says a child, and, and oh, wow, amazing, she, she won't be barren, and it'll be a son. And so this message to her, don't drink any alcohol, don't get drunk, right? Don't eat anything unclean, because he's going to be a Nazarite, and he's going to save. Wow, pretty amazing. This is a woman I want to know more about, or rarefied air, it's cool. I mean, look what she does, too. She does great things. Then the woman, verse 6, told and came and told her husband, A man of God came to me. Hey, she recognized him. And his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. <laughs> I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. But he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. So he's going to be very special and set apart, this child. And, and from the day he's born all the way until he dies, catch that, a Nazarite. So, so she goes immediately to her husband. She includes him. There's trust. She's under him. She runs to him. He, clearly she heard and, and says exactly what she had been told. I like her. Then Manoah prayed to Yahweh and said, O oh Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us to teach us what we're to do with the child who will be born. <laughs> it's great. Manoah doesn't laugh and disbelieve his wife. He, he trusts her too, right? Solid relationship. And he prays. He says, Lord, come teach us what we're to do. Well, what about me? What, what, what should we do specifically? This amazing thing happens. And God listened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of God came again. Oh, not just once. Again, to the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And, and so the woman quickly ran to her husband and said, Behold, the man who came to me the other day has appeared to me. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Catch that. He said, I am. <laughs> and Manoah said, Now, when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life and what is his mission? And the angel of Yahweh said to Manoah, All of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, or eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. It was remarkable that the angel of the Lord came again, to her, alone. 
She runs and gets her husband. Randy comes with her, and Manoah says, tell me more. Again, and the angel of God says, well, I was speaking to her. Just let her do the stuff I told her to do. All that I said to her, that's it. You don't get more. So verse 15, Manoah said to the angel of Yahweh, please let us detain you and prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of Yahweh said to Manoah, if you detain me, I will not eat of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to Yahweh. For Manoah didn't know that he was an angel of the Lord. <laughs> We've been told something they don't know, right? It's amazing. They don't know yet. They know what he looks like. They know he looks like a man of God. But actually, it's the angel of Yahweh. Big deal. Incredible. So, so Manoah, verse 17, said to the angel of Yahweh, What is your name, so that when your words come true, we may honor you? And the angel of Yahweh said, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering, offered it on the rock to Yahweh, to the one who works wonders. And Manoah and his wife were watching. Okay, you get that interaction, right? He's The angel of the Lord says, my name is wonderful. It echoes Isaiah, doesn't it? Wonderful counselor. And then they offer to Yahweh, who does wonders, the same word root, to say, oh, they're making the connection. Who's appeared? Yahweh. Wow. When the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of Yahweh went up in the flame of the altar, and now Manoah and his wife were watching, and they fell on their faces to the ground. <laughs> in case you didn't get it, yeah, they should be on their faces. This is the angel of Yahweh, the pre-incarnate Jesus, who's actually come, and he's there, and, and incredible. And then the angel of Yahweh appeared no more to Manoah and his wife. And then Manoah knew that he was the angel of Yahweh. Whoa. <laughs> Look what he does. He says, Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die for we have seen the Lord. But, but his wife said to him, if Yahweh had meant to kill us, we would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering at our hands or shown us all these things or now announced to us such things as these. Man, I like the wife even more. Manoah's off getting all scared. The wife like speaks calm reason to him. No, if he wanted to kill us, he would have already. But she even identifies it. Yah, we're about Yahweh. God. The chapter ends with this. The woman bore a son, called his name Samson. The young man grew, and Yahweh blessed him, and the spirit of Yahweh began to stir him in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtaal. Oh, indeed, this is Samson's mother, who the Spirit of the Lord would use as a judge in Israel. And chapters to come will make it clear about Samson's mom and dad did what the angel of the Lord said. And you know it, Samson has this incredible supernatural strength from his Nazarite vow and his long hair, remember? Okay, so 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 here's the thing, this whole story. So this happened. What does it tell you? Here's the first thing you should get right away. God acts in his world, right? When God wanted something to happen, what did he do? He appeared and he made it happen. 
And not to the spirit, super spiritual, but to the normal people, he, he's at work, right? God came and did what he, what he wanted, and God does that, and he's God. And I know most of you will say, well, I've, I've never been visited by an angel of the Lord. In fact, if you say you've been visited by an angel of the Lord, you'll get looked at funny. But here's the thing. I, we would respond, I hope like she did, but what I want you to see is God acted as he wanted to. He did exactly what he wanted to do. Nothing thwarted him. He did it when he wanted. It wasn't special pleading by these parents. They weren't praying over and over. The text didn't say a word about them even asking for a child. It says God just came and he did it, right? It wasn't their incredible faithfulness or prayer that made things happen. It was God's heart coming to her in a field twice. So this happened. That's just the first kind of thing to just go, wow, the angel of the Lord, God comes into human history. so incredible. But the real things I want you to think about, one of them's this. Something happened. This happened to this person. You can't miss this. This is really important. Because I think, I think my head's going to go, okay, you know what? Exemplary people are used by God. That's how we're prone to take this. God uses good people, obedient people, the right people. The way to be used is to be right with God. So we praise this woman, right? She believed the messenger. She ran and got her husband. He trusted her for a reason. She was obedient to the word. Tell you what, that's all true, what I just said. But it does some damage to the actual text. It does. You can't miss this, right? That's not what this text is about. You need to see what the reader would see right away. So back up with me just for a minute. Come back up. Look at the introduction of her in verse 2, where it says, Hey, there was a certain man of Zorah from the tribe of the Danites whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. Right away, they would say, Okay. You know, Judges is being read by people who are out of the land. And guess who they really don't like? The tribe of Dan. Dan is a crazy tribe. Dan will do terrible things in chapter 18. Dan isn't even on the list in Revelation of the 12 tribes. Because they messed up so bad. So so this is a woman from the wrong tribe. And actually, she's also kind of cursed, right? That's what they would think then. God opens and closes the womb. And she's barren. She's an outcast. She's not blessed by God. There's something wrong with her. She has no line. Her husband has no line. We And we know nothing else really about her. This is it, right? Was she tall or short? Was she skinny or fat? So, well, who cares? That's, oh, no, but we do in our culture, right? Was she pretty? Was she wealthy? Was she smart? No, no, no. The very most important thing that you do know isn't any of that. It's this. What's her name? That's the most important information of the whole chapter. She has no name. 
You know the angel of the Lord comes to her, right? This is one of the most amazing things in all of the Bible. If if the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ comes to you, that's generally thought to be what this is. The pre-incarnate Jesus Christ who appeared to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, who appeared to Moses in Exodus chapter 6, who appeared to Gideon, that great deliverer in Judges chapter 6, who appeared to to, to Elijah in 1 Kings and, and even to David in 1 Chronicles 21. You know the names of all those people. In fact, even Jesus, right, in the transfiguration, there's Moses whom he's seen before, and here's Elijah whom he's seen before. Great figures in our faith. This small chapter fights back. It says, look, 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 it's all God, and he comes to nobody's. You gotta think, think different about even those people, right? Think about Abram in the midst of the land of Ur. Nobody. And God takes him. Think about Moses, the murderer of his fellow Egyptian. Think about Gideon. We've, we've seen Gideon not so long ago, right? Utterly faithless. God, give me a sign. And God gives him the sign. God, will you give me another sign? Gives him a sign. God, please give me another sign. Dude, you've already had multiple signs. How many miracles do you need me to burn through? That's Gideon, right? (laughs) David. Adulterer and murderer. God uses nobodies. Here's Manoah's wife in the field. You know, that's doing agriculture. She's living, and, and, and the angel of God doesn't appear to her once. appears to her twice. Wow. <laughs> not the one out driving hard for God, not the one out sacrificing bigly and figuring out how to serve, but just God at work. And this, this, this helps define our faith for us, our trust. Not only that God is the one at work, His whole plan is his, right? That's the first thing. So this happened. But also to this person. God uses nobodies, and that's us. He breaks in and he grabs hold because he wants to. He he will do that with you. Not that there's an angel to be seen, but don't you think that God's able to give you the desires to make clear to you exactly how he will use, and then to use you as he will? I think of Ephesians chapter 2, don't you? We are his workmanship. He's at work. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Yeah, we're going to do some cool things. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'll tell you, he's in charge of getting us there to do them. Right? That's what that means. That's not a, I gotta figure it out. Oh no, what does God want me to do? I'm not sure. I gotta figure, I gotta get the wheel spinning. I gotta make sure I'm doing the right stuff. This is a trust in God that actually, He's able to get you to do the things He wants. He uses nobodies. This is James 2, that faith works because God uses you. We trust Him. He's got you all the way through. We are trusting a living, acting God. So the reality is you and I aren't that important, right? We aren't needed to be known. You just have a God who's in charge, and he'll use you, and he does use you. Like Jesus said in Luke 12, he says to his disciples, Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
Isn't that amazing? Hey, step back and worship with me just for a moment that we who are nothing have the word of Christ to us that it's God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. God works. God uses nobodies. Not the biggest and the best and the brightest. It's not about making a name for yourself. And, and, and you got to think about how that works even today, right? You aren't needed, but God will use you. He gives you desires and passions, and even when they don't seem to be coming together, worry not in the midst of your mess. I know something for you. I speak it to you as strongly as I can. God is using you. God's at work. That's our God. Okay, so this happened to this person with this result. Think about this with me. With this result. Have you noticed we've been using pottery that there's a lump of clay that's getting shaped and getting made into something, right? Because that's what's happening. God acts because he wants to. He he uses nobodies. And you could say, well, then we nobodies will figure out good things to do for God. That would be really cool. I'm going to use my Bible that way. I'm going to try and figure out what God wants and do it for him. That's why you need to hear this too. Because we fall into a trap that God God wants for us to get certain things done. Be a good person. Be a good dad. Follow the right rules. Forget for a moment that our society... (laughs) You guys do realize, right? Everybody realizes, I hope you realize at this point, it's become clearer and clearer as time goes on. Our society virtue signals all the time. Right? I just looking, it's so funny. There is no plastic bags in order to save the environment. And now we want the return of plastic bags to prevent virus transmission. So we want to do something to try and make something happen and control our environment to, to show that we're doing as, as all we can. Lots of things are like that, but but they're not funny. We're trying to show everyone how much we care, how much we love, how much we serve, and, and we're defining what that looks like. Christians do that too, right? We we all do this. We striving to be a certain kind of good person, especially in these days. I heard it. I heard it the other day. Someone says, "Hey, this is this is our chance for the church to shine like never before." What do they mean? Great acts of service to be done, and we're going to define them and get you into programs and and, and give here and do this, and and, and we're off and running. They'll know we're Christians because we love. That that could be, and and, and I'm thankful for people who have great passion because I think the Lord gives that passion, right? That's the whole thing. But you got to look at the work going on here. you got to take this in from the Bible. Go ahead, take a look, right? The Lord appeared to this woman twice. What did he say? He said, be really, really careful. Don't get drunk. Don't eat anything unclean. Right? Eat carefully because because you raise up your child carefully because he's going to be special. And I guess she did it, right? Her son was a Nazarite. Was he? Well... Sort of. For a while. You know the story, right? 
And we kind of said, well, do what she did because you'll shine with the awesome results of great kids. And, but, but if you say that, you haven't really read about Manoah's wife or her son, Samson. We're going to get there next week. We'll start in this story. But let me give you a preview. He's not a shining paragon of moral virtue. So parents do everything right. They're pouring in. They're doing everything. That, and kid kind of goes off the rails. Haven't you ever seen, well, you should follow my parenting examples because then your kids will be turned out right. And, and here you have in the Bible that the mom does it right. Samson's a Nazarite. Except he also kind of loves some other things too, right? He doesn't have any real evidence of spirituality till the final moments of his life as he dies. He marries outside the camp. He goes into prostitutes. He mocks and he scorns people. He's most famous, you know, not just for his great strength, but how he lost his great strength by, by the gal that he loves cutting off his hair. By him failing to be a Nazarite for all of his life. There's no fruit in that, right? Worthless. All the good the mom did. You know, if the idea is you pour into your child so they go the right way, well, this is an utter failure. So it's so important for us to see that God used her incredibly to do exactly what he wanted. And it wasn't to have Samson be a Nazarite his whole life. Wow. It shows something quite different, right? The angel of the Lord comes to her, right? The pre-incarnate Jesus appears to this woman, to an outcast, a nobody, and says, the deliverer will come from you. He will save his people. I'm going to use you. And this images, this images, this makes an amazing picture, an amazing wondrous thing that we can see with our eyes and understand with our hearts about a coming Savior. It's not about how great the fruit of her moral teaching to her kid was. It was about her life imaging this amazing Savior who will come. What am I talking about? You know who I'm talking about. right? Remember Matthew chapter 1. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. There is a Savior that's coming, a real Savior, a forever Savior. And, and would come to a lowly nobody. It's talking about Mary, right? The angel of the Lord, Gabriel, says to Mary, says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus' very name means God saves. Yahweh saves. <laughs> Jesus will come to a virgin teenager of no line, no special. Her, her, her husband would. Joseph does. He's of the line of David, as promised in the Old Testament. But Mary's nobody. And he uses her to bring in the Savior of the world. You do see that that's what Manoah's wife is imaging. You don't even know her name. And yet from her comes a Savior for Israel. She doesn't know. She doesn't know the good work that God prepared for her. She doesn't know how what she's doing will echo through the pages of history and, and point forward to the greater Savior who's coming, this Jesus who, who is God and man and sheds his blood for you and me. She doesn't know. 
And you, and you, disappoint. That's <laughs> the point. You can't tell what it looks like. You're going to get it wrong if you try and map out what your good works are and you try and figure out, I'm crossing these T's and dotting this I's. You don't even know that there's a God who's at work underneath everything you do and you trust that He's shaping everything exactly as He wants it. I love this. It's later on in Luke. This is the response of Mary, right? What does she say? She says, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. It's not about, oh, I'm doing great things for God. It's, oh, can I testify to you? He's done great things for me. Holy is his name. Okay, this morning, our usefulness is our theme. That's what we've been after because you and I, we are prone to wander, to look and try and figure it out, to take control from God, to manipulate God, to decide how he should use us. And we start to get mad at other people who are not doing what we think the best is. Or even at ourselves when we can't seem quite to do the things that we think we ought to do. And I, I, I pull you back today to humility. We don't know what God wants, but we know these things from this morning. That God acts. He is not far off. He enters in. You won't have to guess. It's not figure him out. He's hoping that you'll get it done. He uses nobodies. Oh, that's you and me. Not the best and the brightest. You can trust him to use you. And, and then, and then really important, he creates amazing things. He does. Even when what you're doing seems like it's at a dead end. Even when your life seems to be falling apart. Even when you fail. I know I had even someone this week, he's doing supply trains to get an amazing product here that would help people and, and there's pitfalls. I'm like, hey, you don't even know how the Lord might be using you right now. Not in great successes, but in trusting God is at work. Jesus has come. He announces to you that your performance is finished. His performance is everything. You are cleansed and forgiven and you are his. Will you trust him? Live your life receiving that he's done it. And this trust is the certainty he creates in you of all that he has for you. It's not just a trust that someday he'll He'll take you to heaven. It's a trust that he has you right now so this happened to this person with these results take heart child of God it is the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom hey hold on to that today let's pray